down in twos. <laughs> nah, we do. Baby, read. Extremely impressive, and nobody should be overcritical of high school players, in particular those are professional athletes, especially if you're a junior in high school and only average 1.4 points. <laughs> I'm just saying. Hey everyone, welcome to another edition of the Ball Street Journal podcast. Continuing our theme of off-season recaps, today I'm going to be reviewing the Atlanta Hawks offseason. So the Hawks last year finished as the number nine seed at the end of the regular season with the record of 43 and 39. They then won the play in the first play in game against the Charlotte Hornets. And then they played the loser of the Nets Cavs game, uh, which was the other play in game. And they beat the Cavs on the road and made it to the playoffs as the number eight seed. So overall, it was a step down from the prior year in 2020-2021 when they actually finished as the fifth seed. They fired Lloyd Pierce in the middle of the season. Nate McMillan took over. The Hawks went on a run. They made it all the way to the Eastern Conference Finals with that surprising win against the Sixers, um, winning that game seven on the road, ultimately leading to the demise of the Sixers with Simmons' missed uh, or the layup that he passed. And they pretty much broke up the Sixers team as we know it. So you thought they were going to continue this streak last year, stay hot. They had continuity with the same coach, Nate McMillan, coming back. They kept the roster intact, brought everyone back, made really no large changes the prior offseason. And they thought continuity was the way to go. And unfortunately, we realized that was not the case they struggled with on defense all year and what we saw was the prior year they actually had some injuries that kind of made them have to shorten their rotation and they didn't have the problem of having too many good players but what happens is when now when everyone comes back last year Cam Reddish, DeAndre Hunter, Danilo Gallinari and then you have John Collins then at center, you have Okongwu and Capella. And then you have Trey and Bogdanovich. Everyone is fighting for minutes. And they realized that maybe they had too many good players. They ultimately decided to trade Cam Reddish in the middle of the season to maybe reduce some of the clutter. But, you know, I think that we realized that maybe the prior year was one of those runs helped by luck as they faced a Knicks team that was maybe overachieved in the regular season. And then the Hawks, you know, we saw the Sixers collapse and we know what was going on with that team. So, you know, it was maybe somewhat lucky. And we realized that the Hawks, they weren't defending at the same level that they did the prior year after the coaching change. And it was maybe just one of those things that they were doing. You know, you have a coaching change, you have extra motivation. And so then they ultimately did still make the playoffs. Again, it was an impressive play-in game victory against the Cavs on the road. They then had a short exit out of the playoffs. They faced the Miami Heat, and they lost 4-1. And I think the biggest takeaway from that series was that Trey Young needed help as a ball handler, right? So the Heat were just completely swarming him. They weren't really get, letting him get uh, shots off. They were double-teaming off of picks. They were trapping him. And what we realized is that the Hawks didn't really have secondary playmakers. They had built this team to kind of uh, run it as... Uh, 
Trey Young, Capella pick and roll, and everyone plays off of it. But then when you trap Trey and he passes it out, those other guys aren't really playmakers like DeAndre Hunter, Bogdanovich. You know, he could do some of it, but he's that's not really his primary role. He's more of a one-two dribble, pull-up jumper guy, or you know, catch and shoot. Same with Gallinari. So, you know, ultimately that was their demise. The Heat were the better team, of course, but the Hawks really didn't have any answers for them. So going into this offseason, we see that they had to prioritize that for sure. We heard a lot of noise about how John Collins may get traded or that he wants out. But right on the day before free agency started, they make this big trade. They Spurs traded them DeJounte Murray and Jock Landale, who was later dealt to the Suns for cash considerations. And the Hawks, in exchange, they gave up Danilo Gallinari, who was then bought out ultimately and signed with the Celtics. And they traded the Hornets' 2023 first-round pick, which they had. It was top 16 protected. Then they also traded their 2025, the Hawks' 2025 first-round pick, unprotected. And a 2027 first-round pick unprotected as well. And then the right to swap first-round picks with the Hawks in 2026. So they really deferred their own picks at least three years down the line, starting in 2025. It's always a danger when you are giving unprotected picks uh, that are three years, five years down the line. And you really don't know what are going to be the status of the picks, and especially when it's unprotected. But if you are going to go do it, I think this is the type of player you do it for, right? So DeJounte Murray is 25. He still has two fully guaranteed years left on his deal. So you know he's going to be on your team till 2024 at least. And again, he's coming off his first all-star season. And you think that there's only potential to get better there. He's still only 25. And on top of that, he really fits what the Hawks needed. So DeJounte, you know, a great defender. We know Trey is not the best defender. And so he really compliments Trey well there. And on top of that, you know, with San Antonio, he was pretty much the lead ball handler. So it'll be interesting to see how Trey and DeJounte play off of each other, whether they'll be willing to be unselfish. And, you know, Trey hasn't really had to give up the ball much since he's gotten to Atlanta. But now he has someone that who he could share the ball with and say he's trapped. Now he has that secondary playmaker in DeJounte. And so I think it's going to be a great fit. I think this trade was, uh, you know, it is risky. Again, you're giving up picks three, five years down the line, unprotected, and a swap as well. But if if there's any player you're going to do it for, it's a 25-year-old coming off his first All-Star season, two fully guaranteed years left on his deal. And then the thing you have to think about with uh, DeJounte is, is he someone that's going to re-sign, right? If you're going to give up this kind of draft capital, you have to assume, or not assume, you have to maybe have some sort of inkling that he'll want to resign. Atlanta, you know, we've always heard it's a great market. Players love it there. It's a great city for players to live in. And, you know, that should definitely help. And as long as Trey and DeJounte have a good relationship, things and they develop well there, I think uh, there's a good chance DeJounte does resign because Atlanta will have his bird rights. And so they can offer him the most money. It doesn't really make sense for DeJounte to sign an extension just because he signed a extension well below the max after coming off his rookie contract. So by the NBA um, CBA rules, he, the maximum increase on his current contract is nowhere clear uh, near what he can get for a max deal. And, you know, with his trajectory, he's someone that may command a max deal. 
And so it doesn't make sense for him to sign an extension. So there is some sort of risk there. But ultimately, I think this will be a good trade for the Hawks. So, and then the rest of the, their offseason, just to kind of summarize what else they did. So we talked about how they lost Danilo Gallinari, some other players that they lost, uh, Gorgie Deng, Sharif Cooper. This trade, which I think didn't get talked about too much, but they did uh, trade Kevin Herter. Again, this is another one of the guys that I, I actually forgot about him as well. Another guy in his uh, in the guard rotation last year, all competing for minutes. And so that was one of the things that uh, they maybe the Hawks were looking to do. So Herder trade got traded to the Kings, and I thought that was a great pickup for Sacramento. I think they could, maybe the Hawks could have held on to him a little bit longer and gotten more for him. They also lost Kevin Knox, uh, Timothy Luau, Cabarro, Skylar Mace, Lou Williams, and then DeJounte, or sorry, DeLon Wright, um, left as a free agent and signed with the Wizards. The other players that they added, so Trent Forrest, he was a free agent signing. Maurice Harkless came over in the Kevin Herter trade as, along with Justin Holiday. Aaron Holiday signed as a free agent. Um, I thought that was an underrated pickup. Frank Kaminsky signed as a free agent. And then the player that they picked up in the draft was AJ Griffin at number 16. Again, another player that um, AJ Griffin didn't get as much attention as I thought he deserved. Because when you're at a college like Duke, you're playing with the number one pick, Paolo Bancaro. You're playing with Mark Williams. You're playing with other guys that are all getting drafted. But I think A.J. Griffin, you know, he showed that he was a 40% three-point shooter at Duke. And if that can translate over to the NBA, it would be a great skill to have along playing with guys um, like Trey, DeJounte, John Collins, Capella. So you need a floor spacer, really. And I think A.J. Griffin can be that guy for them. Um you know, the Hawks, have their, their drafts have been decent. That's kind of what's helped them make the Eastern Conference Finals run a couple years ago. Um, so the other exciting thing, you know, we'll wrap up with this, is I think the Hawks, you know, now they lost some of their draft capital to make a trade. But what they do have moving forward is they have the Bogdanovich contract. They have the Capella contract. They have the John Collins contract. These are guys that are attractive to other teams around the league. They still do hold value. And so if they don't get to a start that they like, they can always consolidate some of these contracts for another player or, you know, whatever they feel like they need as the season starts. You know, I'm sure everyone, every team likes their teams uh, in the offseason. But as the season starts and you play the actual games, you realize that there are deficiencies in the team. And I think the Hawks have flexibility there with these contracts they could always trade. They have their two centerpieces now in Trey and DeJounte. And then everyone else, you know, they could shuffle as needed. And um, let's see how this team looks. And uh, along with that, you know, John Collins, it seemed like they were... He was kind of at odds with the team, but we saw this uh, him, Trey, and uh, DeJounte running a pickup in the summer. And their their runs look pretty good. Their chemistry looked pretty good. So it looks like John Collins is here to stay, at least for now. But, you know, in the offseason, every team looks interesting. And then we start the season and we realize it's not sometimes. But let's see how it goes. And that's it for this, guys. Um, signing off on this pod. Till the next time. I want to give a shout out to our producer, Sandy, a.k.a. Sandy, and to let all the listeners know to help us out and follow us on Instagram at BSJPod and on Twitter as well at BSJPod. You can also find all our episodes uploaded onto our website at www.bsjpod.com. Thank you.